turn to the book of Philippians. Uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 this morning. I know your bulletin uh, may say First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 because that's where I was until yesterday or maybe even later last night into this morning. So I changed my mind of where we're going to be today. Uh, so your note, your, your handout is accurate. Uh, there may be some other information on the top, on the note page in your bulletin that is not, but just scratch out, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and we'll go forward from there with Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And, uh, if you don't have a Bible, grab one from the seat rack in front of you. And you can be turning to page 1,572. 1572 is the page that we are on. And I just want to say I appreciate Lance and Kinley and uh, Luke and all the work they put into, um, the you know, just running the business end of the church. They do a great job, and we are in good hands with them. So don't forget to pray for them and attend the, the meeting next Sunday night as well. So if you would, let's stand together. I know you've stood already. But uh, let's stand in honor of God's word. I want to just read the text, starting in verse 10. As Paul is is concluding, um, you know, this epistle, some of the most encouraging words that you're going to find in Philippians are found just, you know, right before this passage I'm going to read in verse 10. And so if you haven't ever taken the time to read uh, his last words in that fourth chapter, they are so encouraging, um, especially as he, he gives us encouragement to be careful for nothing, right? Not to be caught up in all the drama of life, right? To be focused on things above, in essence, like uh, he wrote in Colossians. And, uh, and just to, to cast our care on the Lord. Uh, and he gives some final comments in verse 8. Uh, and, and, and asks them to do, you know, the things that I've taught you. And as he concludes that discussion, he says in verse 10, um, with this conjunction, but. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10, but. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak of respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, notwithstanding... Ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, uh, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to read this epistle uh, of the Apostle Paul. Lord, today it's a practical and and applicable message uh, that we have to apply here at Heartland today. Lord, uh, when we we come to the issue of stewardship, often people are, it's either boring or something we don't want to address. But it's so important that we really grasp hold of the grace that you have given us, Lord, that we get in on that giving grace that is really your heart. Lord, our salvation and everything that we we have is based on your giving grace. A Father in heaven, a perfect, holy, heavenly Father, 
who has nothing to do with sin, loved the world that was wrecked in sin, and sent his son. Lord, we're so thankful that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross in our place for our sins and gave us value, esteemed us um, valuable, and died on the cross, obeying the Father, and is alive right now. You have left us your word, you have left us your spirit, and you've left us the, the local New Testament church, the body of Christ. Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be a part of that this morning, and we pray as we look into this Bible, as we, as we talk about the words of God, as you lift these things out, Lord, that you would communicate in our hearts, Lord. We need you to meet with us today as we want to honor and celebrate and remember the gift that you've given us. We want to remember your giving grace. And, oh, Heavenly Father, if there, there are some here this morning that are not getting in on the giving grace that comes through the grace of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the gift of eternal life, Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. I pray today would be the day that we lay aside everything to get in on what you have for us. Because you are so good and gracious to us. We thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this passage gives us insight into the heart of why Paul wrote uh, to, to the Corinthians. And I, I'm not going to get into Second Corinthians and have you turn there and all of that. I will read a few passages of Scripture but in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, <clears throat> Paul was very gracious um, about the giving of the churches of Macedonia. And he speaks to them and encourages them. I was actually going to kind of springboard off of that passage and, and for my message this morning until God led me to the Philippians. Uh, and so he says in chapter uh, 8 and verse 1 of 2 Corinthians, he says, as he's writing to them, he says, We do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Well, Philippi was one of the churches of Macedonia. And it is a text that goes further. As Paul goes into chapter 9 of Second Corinthians, um, he talks about the witness of the Macedonian uh, giving grace, as I call it, uh, to, be filled, <clears throat> to be fulfilled in the actions of the Corinthians. Right? He wanted them to witness it, see what they were doing, uh, and then emulate that, be ready when they came, because actually it was the Corinthians um, that were inspiring everybody in Macedonia and Achaia to to drum up support for the work that God had going in Jerusalem. So so their example and their commitments that they made to to, uh, to the Apostle Paul and to the saints in Jerusalem were, were spreading all over. And the Macedonians got in on it and they were so, so incredibly you know, gracious that Paul couldn't help but say, hey, look, look at the sacrifice of these saints in Macedonia. I mean, they don't have anything. And, and man, they are giving way above their ability. God is giving them giving grace, right? He's giving them grace to give. He's allowing them to do things that, man, I don't know where it's coming from. And uh, and so get a hold of that, because when they come by, uh, they're doing that because you fired them up. So you need to make sure you have something ready, uh, because they're going to come by and see how truly excited you are. And, uh, and, and basically get on the bus, Gus, get in on that giving grace. And so Paul is not concerned about the money as the motive. He makes that abundantly clear, even as we read in, in right here in the Philippians chapter four in second Corinthians nine, six, he says, but this, I say, he, which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he, which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, right? So this isn't the law and that you don't have to do it. It's a free will thing. For God loveth a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. So give as, as God has blessed you. Give as with the grace that God has given you 
and give, right, with joy and cheerfulness of heart. So this morning, I know that there are many cheerful givers at HBF. A few years ago, Gwen Arney coined that phrase, cheerful giving units, and we still use that. It's a great phrase. Uh, as he kind of laid out for us how many giving units, how many basically families there are in the church approximately. I don't remember the number. Lance probably knows a hundred and something giving units and what all that means. Uh, and so uh, that's that's a great way to, to define that because um, the, the giving units in Macedonia were incredibly uh, inspiring. They were good stewards of God's resources. And, and the faith grows, right, as we... Give with God's grace. So what, what Paul was challenging the Corinthians to do was really just the title of my message is getting in on giving grace. And, and there was a joy at Philippi. We're not going to read it this morning, but if you go back to the beginning, if you read through that, that, that really the book of Philippians, you see there's this, there's this joy. I've titled that whole book, the joy of sacrificial service. There's a joy that they entered into because their faith uh, grew and they were able to trust the Lord and see his blessings. In, in their giving, not just of their finances, but also, as we saw in the text, even of their people, as they would send people to help minister to Paul. So this morning, I believe that, that we here at Heartland have some Macedonian aspects. We have some, so we have some Macedonian givers, people that give certainly uh, above and beyond um, by faith, and God blesses that and praise God for that. And we have, uh, obviously, we have some Corinthian givers, some people that are probably well-intentioned and uh, maybe... Uh, but they just haven't had the opportunity or what have you. Uh, we saw in the text with Philippians, some people, and this is important, some people, there was times when they couldn't give at Philippi. They literally couldn't, right? And Paul didn't like beat them up over that. You can only give what you have, not what you don't have, right? So when you don't have it, you don't give it. And God makes up the supply somewhere else. God is the one who orchestrates all that. So it's really not about that. God's going to supply. Uh, there have been many years where I've come to you know, talk about this subject here at Heartland. And I, and I honestly, in the back of my heart, uh, I'm like, with somebody who's disobedient, please start being obedient. I don't care if it's 1%, 2%, 3%, because we're killing, we're, we're getting killed in here, right? And so, uh, praise God, that's not the situation we're in right now. And we love the Lord and we're thankful for his provision. But the truth of the matter is, uh, whether you give or not, God's going to supply. We found that out. I mean, just look at the Bird First Publishing. We did, we did not have resources to buy a new trimmer, and yet we're getting a new trimmer. You know, that comes out of heaven. God just just he just showers his blessings down. It's amazing uh, because of joyful givers, Macedonian givers, and and uh, and those those of us that may be Corinthian givers, right? We have the means. The, the Corinthians had the means. They even made the commitment. And Paul was not accusing them of holding out. He's just saying, hey, guys, make sure that you follow up on that. I know you're all about the ministry of the saints. You, you show with your heart that you're givers in, in, your, in your talent and your time. And so just make sure you have that treasure ready because you guys got it in Corinth. You're a very fluent group. And make sure you have that ready when the Philippians come by uh, because uh, it'll look pretty bad on you all if you stirred them up to give and then you don't have anything, right? So, so he's just kind of giving them a heads up, be ready to go. And so today, as I approach this topic, um, you're probably one of those three. There's probably some uh, very well, you know, folks that are faithful givers. Maybe they, uh, I learned years ago uh, <clears throat> that there's some people like they, I, I, didn't, I was in a board meeting and we had a dip and you always dip in the budget in the summer. And uh, Tracy Sloan's a treasurer. He says, oh, well, that's because people are on vacation. I'm like, what? I'm like, He's like, yeah, he goes, when they go on vacation, they just forget to give. I'm like, they do? You know, and I'm like, okay. And he was right. And by the fall, things would kind of pick back up. 
And so there's those forgetful givers. They're kind of like the Corinthians. You know, it's not that they're, they don't want to give. They don't have a heart to give. They just let things get in the way and they forget. And then there's, then there are those Macedonian givers. I mean, they not only give, uh, what's available, they give what they're trusting God for. I mean, they, they're given and they're trusting God. They're, and they're even, even given probably sacrificially at times and, uh, and given things they don't have or going without, uh, for the ministry. Uh, because they're so into what God is doing through the, uh, the local New Testament church. And we praise God. I praise God. That is such a humbling thing uh, to know that people are sacrificially even uh, giving, going beyond obedience to sacrifice. And, man, I don't know who you are. So think cool thing about the way we do things, I don't know who gives anything. So I know what the numbers are, but I don't know who is giving what uh, for the most part. And so um, whoever you are, man, praise God for you. I thank God for you, and uh, man, I just, I just, it just is humbling. I just, that's all I can say about that. And then there's those disobedient givers. I mean, it's just someone who knows what to do. Uh, they're mature enough in the Lord to know what to do, and they just are like they just dig in their heels and say, "No, I ain't doing it." You know? Okay. Well, for you, then that's your problem. I'm not going to deal with you because God will deal with you, and I don't. And honestly, we don't need you. I mean, God will, God will take care of it some other way, and He'll bless somebody else. But Paul's point is, is you want to get in. On the giving grace, right? You want to get in on that because it is a blessing to, to you. God's going to supply. I mean, He always does. He always has. The issue is, is, and, and like He's pointing out, I mean, we're not, we're not just affluent. It's, it's always tight as, as many of you know in ministry. But at the end of the day, God always provides. He's done such a good job and, and we're just so, I guess I'm just overwhelmed with God's goodness to us. So you want to come back. And we'll talk more about the details of that when Lance gives his report. But I want to take the balance of our time uh, to get us into the word of God and talk about getting into the joy of giving grace. The joy of giving grace is what I'm really interested in because some folks miss the joy. And that's really what it's all about. The theme of Philippians, as I already mentioned, is the joy of sacrificial service, right? Sacrificial service in Christ. And Paul concludes this epistle by commending the Philippian church for their godly giving. Right. Not just of their finances. Of course, he does mention that, but but of their resources, their people resources. And that's the heart of the Great Commission. Go ye therefore. Right. Sending people. And you even see it in the text of the New Testament when Paul's Paul's like, hey, I needed some help in Thessalonica. And you I sent to my supply. What was that? That's missions giving. And you guys do that. So I'm not here to chasten because this church is giving very well. I mean, over a quarter of our budget. It's not even in our budget over and above our budget. Uh, Man, you guys are. Killing it, praise God, by God's grace, and keep it up. Because I promise you, even if you don't see it in time, it will be manifest in eternity. And so the men that we support and the women that are on the field, you had just a taste of that just recently with the Jalowicks coming in. You see missionaries. One of the things about HBF, if you're here and you're a member, you're going to see missionaries all the time. All right, Every, all year long, it's not, you're not, we're not given to some organization. We're given to the missionaries themselves. So we know who we're supporting. And those investments are so important because uh, we're helping them, like Paul, get the ministry done where it is and it needs to go. And so I just I just rejoice in that. If you have your, your outline in front of you, I'm going to run through the attributes of giving grace as quickly as I can because I only have about uh, 20 minutes or 15 minutes left before I need to transition. So point number one, let's look at the attributes of giving grace, starting in verse 10. Where we started reading earlier, it says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. So number one, giving grace produces joy. 
right? It produces joy. I rejoiced in the Lord, is what he says. He's joyful. He didn't just rejoice once, he rejoiced twice, right? So giving grace produces joy in others, point A. Giving grace produces joy in others. Paul is greatly rejoicing because the Philippian church demonstrated their care for Paul by sending a letter, uh, provision, as he mentioned, and even a person, and, and Epaphroditus, Right. So he, he they encouraged him with with words. They encouraged him with finances. They encouraged him with a trip. That's almost you know, that's almost like how we support missions prayerfully with prayer teams financially. Right. And we take mission trips and we get on the ground with folks. It's amazing. That's a biblical. You know what? That's what the New Testament church does. We give in those ways and it encourages people. And we do that in ministries right here within the local church, whether it's life issues or word first or the children's ministry. I saw you guys are given for the for the uh, for the store. It's all those things. It's encouraging, encouraging words uh, and, and, and reports and things like that. I call it good gossip. How many of you want to hear some good gossip? Man, there's enough bad gossip out there. There's enough salacious stuff. You never know what's true. What's true is God's word and what's true is God's working in, in and through his people to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. He's making disciples, guys. It's exciting to be a part of what God is doing and it should bring great joy to our heart that God is using us in difficult circumstances, difficult times. The world seems to be burning down. Everybody's freaking out and guess what? God is getting it done. We got difficult uh, situations in our church, people dealing with cancer, people dealing with difficulties, real difficulties, death this last year, this last seven years. I mean, a lot has gone on. It's been, I mean, I've had to, reflecting on it, you know, this last month has really shown me, man, our church has gone through a lot, really. And you guys, you know what? Um, God's been there the whole time. He's been with us every step of the way with his grace and his love and his mercy. And, and I, I will say, I think we're better. I think we're more mature. Um, I think we're a little tired sometimes. That's why we just take a little time off on the fifth Sunday. You know, you guys run hard. And you know what? I, I, I hate to tell you, I don't think we're going to slow down until Jesus comes. Jesus is coming, y'all. And what we want to be found doing is giving our lives for Christ. I mean, uh, it's so important. All right, I gotta keep going because I'm killing myself on time. So giving, giving grace produces, uh, joy to God too. Okay, I skipped a verse, but in Philippians 1, 4, it says, always in every prayer of mine for y'all, making requests with joy. When Paul prayed for the Philippians, man, he was praying because it brought joy to his heart. When he prayed for them, it brought joy, right? There wasn't like, oh my goodness, those Philippians, man, <sighs> they're killing me over there. Now, he's like, those Philippians, man, when I think of them, they just bring joy, 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 joy down in my heart, right? Down in my heart. Yeah, that's where, down in my heart. All right, so so God's giving grace produces joy, not only to Paul, but to God, to God. God is pleased when his children are obedient. In Third John, which we often don't read, uh, the last, uh, or verse 3, it says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Mm. So when we do what the Bible says, when we walk in truth, we don't just talk it, right? We actually do what the Bible says, which is the most important part. Then, it, man, it makes God rejoice. You know. Now, you say, well, John wrote that. Yeah, John did write that. But God rejoices when we walk in truth. Go back to Proverbs and see how an obedient son uh, or disobedient son affects who? Father and mother, right? A, an obedient son is, man, that's a joy to the mom. 
It's good for the family. Disobedient child, man, it's heavy, heavy on mom and dad, right? Well, you don't want to be heavy on dad. God the Father, you want to bring him joy. How do you do that? Well, you do what Ephesians 6, 1 says. Children, obey. So I do have a word to the, the ones that aren't Macedonian or Corinthian, the ones that are just willingly disobedient. If you're not obeying, simply do that. Because, man, I don't want to see you bringing the Father down. Father loves you, and he wants to see you be obedient. I don't care how much you're obedient. Be obedient in one-tenth of one percent. It doesn't matter. Do something and get going for God. And you will see God's grace, I'm telling you. Uh, because especially if you're that tight-fisted, you, that's probably an area you need help in, by the way. And so, um, and I know what I'm talking about because I've been you. All right. So, uh, I got a, th- I got a C point too that I don't have on the screen. This is my bad. I dropped it on accident. And, uh, it, the third point is, is, uh, giving grace produces joy in you. Giving grace produces joy in you, right? There's something about being obedient. The Thessalonian church had joy in much affliction because they, they gave themselves in the gospel ministry. Uh, the Thessalonian church was also a Macedonian church. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, it says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, and you were so bummed out and depressed. No, no, that's actually not what it says. With joy in the Holy Ghost, right? In the midst of affliction and difficulty, it's like when you go to India, and, and there's real persecution. I mean, real persecution and real oppression. And, like, you see the best joy in the world. I mean, you're like, wow, this is like a... A well of joy. It's like a river of living water. I mean, it's just like joy, 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 joy. It's amazing. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from God. There's just something about how God's giving grace produces joy in us. And you see people literally giving their life and suffering. And, man, God's grace is flowing out of them. And it's very convicting. It's very convicting uh, when we uh, see uh, the joy that's available to us and how often we take it for granted because our, our values are misplaced. Um, and so Jesus looked forward to bless the blessings of God to get him through difficult times of sacrifice. Yeah, I said that Jesus looked forward. Jesus looked forward to the blessings of God to get him through difficult times of sacrificial service. So I just want you to know the sacrifice is not always pleasant. As a matter of fact, it's probably never pleasant. So I'm not saying the circumstances are good. I'm not saying uh, that sacrificial giving is enjoyable in and of itself. But because of the joy that's on the other side, wow, it's worth it. Hebrews 12.2, Jesus said, it says about Jesus, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, 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 joy that was set before him, endured the cross and despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So it is okay, beloved, when you enter into ministry and sometimes you're tired and you're like, oh, man, I, I, I gave up. I don't, I only had four hours of sleep. I only had three hours of sleep. Now, don't do that every day. But sometimes you do. Anybody ever enter into ministry like that? All right. Oh, maybe you were doing something you shouldn't have been. And, well, okay, that's, that's another story. But maybe you're just doing what you were supposed to do and you, and you enter and you're just not really feeling the joy, 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 joy down in your heart, right? You're just trying to get, get through it before you fall asleep, sleep. But there is something about when you step into ministry in a sacrificial mode and you're like, hey, God, tune my heart. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for you. And whatever these circumstances are, you've allowed it. And let me be a let me be a living sacrifice. And you go into that and you give your life. Woo! There's a joy, man. It's supernatural. 
I can't, I, it's like, it's just God. I don't know what to say. It's God. And that's what Jesus, Jesus was looking forward. He wasn't, I mean, the sacrifice was difficult. I mean, he's praying in the garden, dripping blood. Hey, if this can pass from me, uh, I'd like to see this go. But the father said, go. So he said, no, I'm not doing it. No, he said, go. So he says, okay, I'm going. I'm going to be born of a virgin. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to, I'm going to burn 33 years in a human body. Uh, I'm going to be putting up with all this humanity. And then at the end of this thing, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to be treated horribly for the sake of the world. And I'm willing to do that, Father, because I love you and you love the world. And God says, well done. And he endured the cross, despising, it says despising the shame. Right? Why, why did he do that? Because of the joy that is set before him. He could see what the results were. He believed it. That the results are souls will be saved. Unfortunately, not every soul. And that's part of our burden to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. We need at least, if everybody's, if people are dying to go to hell, well, we got to at least throw out a roadblock. You know what I'm saying? We got to throw a few tax strips, get in their way. Say, hey, wait a minute. Don't go there. And if they knock you over trying to get to hell, well, at least you tried. Right? Because Jesus, he gave his life because he knows that he's reconciling Adam's fallen race, man. He is redeeming what was lost, what was dear to the Father. You know, God didn't have to do that, by the way. He could have just blew everything up and started over, but he chose not to. He's amazing. So giving from a pure heart perpetuates joy in the heart of the believer. And this really is a heart matter. Second Corinthians 9, 6 Again, referring back to the Corinthians, as Paul is talking to them after using the Macedonians, the Philippians, the Thessalonians as his example, he says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I mean, it would be awesome if I could just make a rule and, uh, you know, like some dictator, everyone gives 10%. You know, well, some of you'd be like, that's only that's like half of what I give already. So you get a a break. Uh, And then others of you would be like, oh, I couldn't bear it, you know, and all that. And then our budget would grow approximately probably two hundred thousand dollars is what I've been told or one hundred fifty thousand, something like that. And I'm like, whoa. But you know what? We don't live like that. You know why? It's grace. It's grace. You just get in on where God wants you to go. And, uh, and, you, and, and it's, it's, it's not to be grudgingly or of necessity. It's not because someone took your arm, you know, they got a, I used to wrestle, you know, they got a hold of your wrist and they swung you around and they did that to you and they put you down. I mean, it's not a wrist lock, man. You don't have to do anything. You really don't. Don't do anything. But you're missing out on the joy, 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 joy of giving back to God. And, uh, you know, the Philippian church was, had, had, had a great spiritual credit rating. They were good for their gift, even though they lived in deep poverty. I mean, it's amazing. That's what Paul was telling the Corinthians. He's like, you got to check these guys. You got you to bear witness to what's going on in the churches of Macedonia. They keep paying their bills, and we don't know how. Now, they weren't really bills. That's kind of a bad analogy. They keep offering gifts, and we don't know where they're coming up with the resources. It's amazing. So the first attribute is simply, you know, to have giving grace and to get in on giving grace is, is, is just to understand it produces joy. Secondly, giving grace is an opportunity to be acted upon. And we're still in verse 10. The Philippian church chose to give. It was a decision. 
giving is not a, a mandatory thing, it's, uh, it, but it is necessary if we're able to understand obedience. So God blessed the Philippian church because he had proven they could be trusted. Point B, the Philippian church established a pattern of giving, a pattern of giving. Down in verse 15, it's in chapter 4, he noticed that Paul says, from the beginning. Now the Philippians know also that in the beginning, now, now, I'm sorry, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So they were actually the, the primary church that was obedient in that area and full of grace and joy in giving for Paul in his first journey. Which, by the way, if you go back and look at the start of this church, it was started in very uh, Spartan way. I mean, he had a couple of ladies praying down by the, the river. You'd have, never, you'd have never guessed that they would be that, you know, it would grow into what it became. But, man, God really used that church beyond what anyone was asking or thinking. Some of the first lessons that we must teach our children uh, when they're little is what? To share. Right? You don't want to have your kid be that, you know. They get to the daycare, they get to the nursery, they get wherever, you know, because our natural nature, it's mine! And then you gotta get in there and say, no, no, Johnny, it's not yours. Is there any Johnnies in the house? So anyway, I'm just making a name up, I'm not thinking of anybody or your child, you know. Aloysius, do not, <laughs> you know, give that toy back, right? You know, because our nature is just a clutch. It's my nature to clutch. It's, I don't know about y'all, but it, it is. I mean, so God has to grow us and teach us. And, and he, where's that done? It's done in the heart. That's why he gives us opportunities to give, because he's working out that grace in our heart. Like children coming up in the nursery, you got to learn to share. you got to learn to share. It's all it really boils down to. It's no more complicated than that, because that's where the blessing's at. You know, when I was a baby Christian, my discipler, he, he taught, me, taught me in the lessons, Discipleship 1, in his testimony. So he, he taught me the word of God, the doctrine, what it teaches about giving, the things I'm teaching you right now. I knew those things. And I was a little slow. I'd like to tell you, I was, like the, I was just like Mr. Obedience. I was not Mr. Obedient. Uh, it's ironic that I'm doing what I'm doing today. I was slow, slow to slow learner. I really wasn't a slow learner. I was slow to act. I was hesitant to act. And so I understood pretty clearly. But... Um, and I told you last week about my testimony of baptism, right? So I slow rolled that until the Spirit of God got a hold of me. And that is not the pattern, by the way. That's not a. That's not me. I'm actually confessing my fault there. Uh, I should have been much more quick to pull the trigger on baptism. Um, and then just a few months later, uh, or just not long after that baptism, and I'm just telling you my own discipleship story. So I've, I've learned about giving. I've learned about giving grace. And not only did I learn about it, I got an example. My my discipler uh, is an example of giving grace. I mean, uh, I don't have time for, to sh- tell his testimony for you, but that was, you know, all of us have things God's working out in our life. In his life, that was a big thing. Uh, like one of the big things that God had to work on his life on was financial giving. Because of his testimony, I've had a lot of grace. I've had giving grace because of his teaching and his example to me and, and his Love, frankly. Part of the giving grace that I could see was his, his gracious um, investment in myself in every way. Uh, time, talent, and treasure. And so, um, you know, I'm a draftsman because he taught me how to draft. Or I was a draftsman, right? The guy taught me my vocation. He taught me the Bible. And then he illustrated 
financially that this guy was a giver. And uh, I'm like, wow. So I had all those. I had all the teaching you needed. But God still didn't have my heart. So one day, um, you know, I've, I've finally been obedient in baptism. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, step, I'm tiptoeing into this thing. It's kind of a little reluctant, but I'm getting into it. And I think one of the reasons I was reluctant is in my heart of hearts, I already knew. Even when, And some of you, I, you're, I know there's people probably listening to me right now, and I don't know who you all are. I just want to encourage some of you in your heart. I mean, you don't know about HBI. You don't know about all that stuff yet. But you just know in your heart God's called you to go all in. And, I mean, I knew from the day I got saved. It's all or nothing, buddy. You know, because I knew. I always knew if I didn't go all in, I would go all out. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean in a good way. I've always known that. Guys, i got to be doing this. Because if I'm not doing this, I'm not going to be doing good. Right? i got to be all in. i got to be all in. Or I won't be right. And so, so anyway, uh, so I, I kind of know that. So I'm a little reluctant to get baptized. I get baptized. And then a few weeks later, a month later, a couple months later, whatever, we're having this camp. It's like high school camp for adults. It's just at this farm, Old McDonald's Farm, literally. That's the name, E-I-E-I-O, you know, everybody would say. So we're up this old E-I-E-I-O farm, a camp, everybody. And there's these guys preaching. And, man, I don't, I'll just be honest, I don't even want to go. Because it's the middle of the week. It's hot as it blazes. It's like July, you know, whatever. It's burning up. We're going to go sit in an outside camp environment and listen to some dude preach without air conditioning, you know. I'm working at High Boy. Man, I'm covered in grease from head to toe. Been down there all day. And uh, Earl's like, hey, Brian, you really got to go to this thing. And uh, I'm like, now, Earl was such a good discipler because he's a pretty control guy. I mean, he takes control. But I'm not the kind of guy you take control of back then. I mean, I'm just like, if you told me I'm going, I'm probably going to be like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know. And so he knew how just to push me just enough. And I'm like, you know, he's always right. Okay, I'm going to go. And so I remember I felt I didn't want to go. I smelled like hamburgers and pickles, and, and I just was like, I, I'm greasy, I'm yucky, and i got to go sit in the heat. And Man, I got up there, and I'm sitting in this service. And you know how it is. And uh, this guy's preaching. I don't know the message, but he's preaching. And I'm looking at these young guys and these young gals, and, man, I'm telling you, I'm looking at this group of people, and, I'm, and I, I can, like, literally see God working in people's lives. You ever been in that situation? If you haven't, just come to the men's breakfast. We had it happen just this Saturday. You walk in here Saturday morning, you're like, wow, I've seen this before. I've seen Old McDonald's Farm. God's working in people's lives. If that don't get you fired up, man, you're well, you're asleep. And so I'm sitting there listening to this preaching, and man, all of a sudden, I'm like, Lord, I am so glad I came today. I am so thankful that... You know, I, I pushed past the grease and the, and the, all the stuff and everything and, and the other priorities. And I'm glad I listened to Earl and I drove two hours up here to St. Joe and Savannah to go to this camp. And, man, that is some of the best preaching I think I've ever heard, you know. And I'm just all like, just like, man, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And then, it, then guess what they do? They pass this coffee can around. They want you to give money. Now, before, now I've been saved several months now. This isn't like I just got saved. You know how much money I'd given in that amount of time to the church? You say. You know why? I mean, I went to, I mean, I walk in this church. They got a gymnasium. They got carpeted gymnasium floors. They got a preacher when he's preaching. He's got cufflinks on and TV cameras. And I'm like, I'm working in high boy, man. You don't need my money. I'm in high school. What are you talking about? They'll be fine. 
You know, a tithe. What is that? Three fifty this week? I mean, it's not. I mean, three dollars and fifty cents. I mean, I'm not making anything. I mean, but I'm in this camp, and they pass that can, and man, all of a sudden, I'm like, what do I got in my pocket? I I want to give. And I, and I pulled out what I had, and I was like, oh, I only have. I think it was ten or fifteen bucks, which back then that was a lot of money. And I like I pull that out and I'm like, man, this I know God is witness. He'll we can confirm this when we get to heaven. And I'm like, I wish I had more. I can't I can't I this is not adequate to express my gratitude for what what he's doing in these people's lives, in my life. I just knew it was like God's working. And man, I want to give. So I pulled that money out, whatever it was, maybe been five dollars. I don't really recollect. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't as much I knew it just wasn't enough. And I pulled that out and I threw it in that can. And I was sitting there the whole time going, man, Lord, that is paltry. That is paltry, man. What you're doing, what you're doing, what you're doing in, in people's lives, in my life, in the world. You put me here. I'm on mission. I didn't even know how to articulate all that at the time. I didn't know exactly what all that meant. But that's, what, that's actually what God was like working out in my heart. It wasn't like a verbal thing that I could even articulate to anybody else. But I knew in my soul of my soul that, man, I'm, where, I'm in God's perfect will, man. I just, I just want to give back. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. You know what? I never quit. Next thing you know, next check. I started tucking it away. My grandpa taught me 10%. You'll be a rich man. You know, of every every dollar, give a dime to yourself. And Earl says, no, give that to the Lord. And, man, I turned the corner and I started, and I haven't quit. I haven't stopped. It's been over 30-some years ago now. And, guys, I'm just saying, I'm not looking for someone. I don't want to, actually, I don't want anyone to give grudgingly or of necessity. I'm just telling you, God loves a cheerful giver. I'm glad nobody like busted into my house and said, you're going to give 10% to the church. Yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. You know, I, man, that's not the spirit we're talking about. If that's the spirit you're under, you, you have the wrong impression. The giving is not about what the church needs. The giving is about what you need. And it's just about learning to share. It's also learning who gives you everything you got, including eternal life. You can't put a price on it, frankly. That's why we say 10% is a good place to start. Some of you might need to grow to 10%. I know some of us grow past 10%. But whatever it is, it's what God puts on your heart. So the Philippian church uh, made the most of their opportunity to give. Now, we're going to, only going to get through verse 10. You're going to have to come back Sunday night next week to finish this message. Point three will be done. Do the rest next, next, at, the, at that message at that time. So, um, but I want to just stop here. They had the opportunity to give. Look at the end of verse 10. It says, um, so wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. It's interesting that he uses that word careful, because if you go to verse 6, there's a very famous passage there. Be careful for nothing. Right? Don't have, everybody changes it to be, to anxiety, right? Because worry about stuff. Okay, whatever. The Bible says careful. Be careful for nothing. And then at the end of verse 10, he says, oh, but you lacked opportunity. Whereupon you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now, Paul doesn't mean that you were full of worry. He says, you guys, you cared about me. 
you cared about the ministry, but you didn't have the opportunity to give. And then we, later on, we found out when they did have opportunity later, they give. You know what Paul, Paul was letting them off the hook? There's times, hey, there's some folks that can't. There are widows. There are people that are destitute. So I do want you guys to understand, I'm not that money-grubbing preacher. I grew up, you know, before I was saved. One of my biggest reasons not to go to church is I was absolutely convinced every church was a money scam. I really was. I thought it was just a big old ponzi scheme man i did not trust the church i didn't trust the leaders i was ahead of my time you know so uh and so that's i was super cynical so i just want you to know guys when i say that i i god knows my heart but i just conversely on the other side of that i I want you to know when you don't get over yourself and trust the lord for giving grace if you don't get there it will affect your joy there's a point in time where you're, you're clutching, and it isn't just material goods like money, but when you clutch your time and you clutch your talent and you touch, clutch everything like a two-year-old, and you say, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, and you throw a temper tantrum, you're not going to grow in Christ. You will not be happy in ministry. You will totally not be happy in this church, I promise you, because that's not who we are. And we don't, we're not, we're not the opposite of that because we're all just super great people. We're different than that because Jesus has done something in our lives. And when opportunities come, starting with salvation, through discipleship, through ministry opportunities, whatever it is, the opportunity to give of our life, we seize by God's grace. You know, we all struggle. I'm not batting a thousand either, so just relax. You know, there's times I don't always do what I'm supposed to either. But as we do, as we grow, as we go, man, we seize those opportunities. Man, I tell you, when the opportunities aren't there, you you miss it. Come back on on uh, come back on Sunday night next week, and I'll I'll get into this subject a little more. There's some more personal things to this church I want to share. Probably in God's providence, this isn't even the right venue to do that, so I'll, I'll just hold that anyway till next time. But uh, we can stop right there because there's an opportunity. You know, in the opportunity that we have this morning, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper here in just a minute. And when we do that, it's an opportunity to give. And you know one of the things that you can give that's really going to bring joy to your heart? You're thinking, oh, well, you're talking about finances. No, not talking about finances. If you're lost this morning, you, you need to give your heart to Jesus. But let me tell you why. Because one of the most valuable things that you can give is forgiveness. And the reason we have the Lord's Supper is because we're remembering what Jesus Christ did. When he died on the cross, first he met with his disciples after Judas left. And he really lays a lot of things out as he's being betrayed. Um, You know, you can go back and read John and see the details of everything he said and taught and and all he was investing in them. And as he's making these great promises, praying great high priestly prayers of intercession for his disciples, they're, they're fixing to turn their back on him and run. Every one of them, except John, I mean, are not even going to be near the cross. And he knows that. He made it up his mind before he even died. He's going to forgive him. How about that for grace? And then as he's on the cross and he's dying, what's he say? As he, another prayer, as he is the Lamb of God, he says, forgive them for they know not what they do, 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 right? 
as Israel obviously rejected their Messiah, but also that prayer includes the sin of the world because we know that when we were yet sinners, Romans tells us Christ died. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. So what's God want? Not your money. If you, if you, by the way, if you thought I just preached a message that God needs your money, you missed the whole message. God needs your heart. He needs your heart. And forgiveness is how he gets a hold of it. It's the goodness of God, Romans 2, 4, that leads us to repentance. What changes the heart and mind so we'll receive the grace of God is the reality that Jesus Christ has already forgiven us. And we just need to receive his grace and his love. If you want to continue in your sin, God forbid, you'll give account for it. You will, you will stand accountable for your own sin. If you're lost here this morning, it is the first and most important thing you've got to do is give your heart to Christ. He don't need your money. He doesn't need your talent. He don't need your treasure. He don't need any of that. He needs your heart. And he deserves it because he's paid the price to redeem it. And all you simply have to do is call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. It is a gift that is given to you freely. But it costs God everything. Secondly, if you're here and you're saved this morning, man, come on, man. Come on, man. There's a guy that says that. Uh, You can't hold back on your brothers and sisters. You can't hold back on your husband or your wife. Well, hold back. What were you talking about? Forgiveness. Man, come on. That's why we do this. It's because we gotta we gotta make sure that we that God has our heart. That's why we take the Lord's Supper. So if you have ought against a brother or sister, man, get it right. Deal with the sin. Remember that Jesus Christ will give you everything that you need. Now I'm not saying if you're in some toxic, you know, situation and, and you can't forgiveness doesn't mean you put yourself in danger. Okay, that's a whole another discussion. If you're in a, a really weird situation, I understand that. But you can forgive people, even toxic people. You know, that doesn't mean you have to go and hang out with them and smoke dope or something. It just means that you can forgive them. Okay. God had me stop here. This is kind of weird. Let's let's all stand together. Heavenly Father, as we conclude and we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, I, I perceive that you're talking to us or to people in the room this morning, and I pray, God,